0: Welcome to the 61st episode of the 4th and 24 podcast with Patrick Winograd. I'm your host, Randy Winograd. In this edition of our podcast, our topics are a recap of Patrick's weekend predictions, a deep dive into the latest NBA Finals action, and another installment of random assorted important news from the world of sports. Let's jump right in with a look back at Patrick's weekend predictions, which are posted every Thursday on our website, 4thand24.com. There were no NBA predictions made this weekend, so all of Patrick's predictions were in Major League Baseball, where we start with the Brewers versus Reds. The Brewers swept the Reds, Patrick correctly picking the Brewers to win that series. In a matchup of division leaders in the American League, the White Sox took two or three from the Astros, Patrick correctly picking the White Sox to win that series. In another series featuring some uh, division winner, uh, division leader, sorry, the Rays took 2 of 3 from the Atlanta Braves in Interleague play, with Patrick correctly picking the Rays to win that series. And the Indians took 2 of 3 from the A's, with Patrick corre- incorrectly picking the A's to win that series. So Patrick went 3 and 1 in his Major League Baseball predictions of series this past weekend, making him 3 and 1 overall and bringing him to 148 and 109 this season, which is a 57.6% winning percentage. Patrick your thoughts on your weekend predictions.
1: Two things that I would like to say real quick. First of all, you're giving the Rays way too much credit. The Red Sox are oh, leading correct. that division Sorry. and the Braves, we all know, have a whole host of issues, so they're not well, even though the Mets lost two of three, the Pirates are still not leading that division either.
0: Teams hoping to win a division. They're sure, not there you a go. Compelling they are two
1: second place teams there though. We go. they are in the they are in they're in the uh, their counterparts, they're the NL East and the AL East and they're second place in both of them. So they're mirrors of each other. Uh, And both of them lost to the Dodgers in the playoffs last season too. They have a lot of similarities. Um, They've also made a few trades, Uh, but yeah. Also, that overall record, even more important, the MLB record was actually at fifty percent before this week, or below below five hundred actually before this weekend. But I had to make a good prediction weekend so that. I could only go 3-1 or 4-0 to bring that back above five hundred, and I didn't want that record sitting below five hundred for too long. Had to bounce back from the 0-3-plus postponement uh, week. So it's good to get a bounce-back week. Uh, Yeah, as you said, the Brewers swept the Reds. Um, That series I did not pick last week because the Brewers, I think, were up 10 or 11 games on the Reds heading into that weekend. Then the Reds swept the Brewers last week on the road, and I went... There is no way they they're going to beat them again, especially because the Brewers are in first place of that division for very good reason. It's because they're good; uh, they're a very good team. So I knew they weren't going to win. I knew they weren't going to lose uh, that series. And by the way, in the end, one sweeps one on the road, the other sweeps the other on the road. You have an, you have six games played in a row and a net change of zero in the standings. So. The Brewers will take Brewers that. The Reds won't because they're in second. Yep. Uh, and the Cubs and the Cardinals will kind of take that because at least the Brewers finally lost a few games after their long winning streaks. Um, but if there's anyone I want to take any time to uh, to congratulate in this weekend predictions, look, the Rays, the Rays had two comebacks to beat the Braves, winning one in extra innings and winning one by scoring four runs in the top of the seventh, I believe, uh, yesterday. But then the White Sox had a three-hit shutout pitch by Lucas Giolito, and then a one-hitter against the Astros after losing the first game 10-1. Uh, that's a—or 7-1. That's a bounce back. <laughs> that's a really good bounce back. And look, a lot of people have been saying that the White Sox are really just maintaining their record and beating the good teams or beating the decent teams and not really the great teams and then beating bad teams to keep their record and win their division— Look, this team is a lot better than they're, than they're getting credit for. Uh, I talk about them all the time, maybe too much for me, but other people don't talk about them nearly enough in my opinion. Uh, and look, they are capable of doing this. This is not just this is not just a one-off thing. Uh Lucas Giolito almost won the Cy Young a few years ago. He's having an off year and they're still doing fine. They're still in first place with a very comfortable lead. Uh, and then Carlos Rodon is in, is in Cy Young conversation, so is Lance Lynn. So overall you have a really really strong pitching staff which is even probably technically under, for, underperformed a tiny bit, so the White Sox have a lot of potential. The Astros are a really good hitting team, so to get them to only have four hits and no runs over two games is ridiculous. Uh, they've been really, really good all season, and then the Rays and the Braves, there were a lot, and the Indians and the A series, there were pretty much six close games combined there, and kind of a toss-up as to who won, but I ended up on the right side of one of them, wrong side of the other.
0: Yeah, the White Sox-Astros series, uh, like we talked about, two division-leading teams, and those teams could be fighting each other out in the playoffs, playing to the end of the World Series. So with the Astros having the experience of winning in the postseason, White Sox not getting to World Series, having that experience recently, that, that could be a huge confidence, particularly in the postseason. We'll see. Sometimes teams, uh, d- team, teams beat the other in the, post, in, the in the regular, regular season, season. and the they other can't beat them in the, postseason, the yeah. postseason. One team maybe plays the series like a playoff game. But for the White Sox to bounce back after that drubbing, the uh, first game is quite impressive.
1: And and it's interesting that you mentioned that playoff matchup because I don't want to go too speculative this earlier in the, this early in the season. But if you actually, I mean, it's not really early; it's after the All Star break. But it's still pretty early to be talking about playoff matchups. But if you actually look at it, the Red Sox and the Rays are most likely going to take the one seed. Whoever wins that, whoever wins the AL East, whoever wins that division takes the one seed. And the way that the playoff bracket works in baseball, then the second best and the third best division winners will play each other. And that right now, White Sox Astros. So it's very, very possible that this is a playoff series. I believe the White Sox actually might have been tied with the Red Sox heading into the day, so maybe they actually are ahead of them. But it is likely that that might be a playoff matchup that we see. So, yeah, it is interesting to kind of think about it, and maybe we can look back on it and see that maybe there were signs early that the White Sox would win it when we get there, or maybe there were signs that it was all a fluke.
0: Well, credit to you for going 3-1 with uh, predicting predicting some pretty evenly matched series. Um, uh, with some pretty compelling, pretty compelling matchups. I mean, we like we've talked about Brewers against the Reds, first place against second place. We already talked about White Sox, Astros. You corrected me. We talked about second place uh, in the Eastern Division, American League, National League, in the Rays, Braves, and then and also then another Indians second a's. place. Yeah, Indians A's in
1: actually the same division as the White Sox, Astros. Yeah, too. Yeah,
0: that's that's the second place teams from those divisions. So I mean, you could have gone, you could have gone Dodgers, Rockies, and really copped out here. But you went and picked the compelling matchups. I wish
1: I would have instead of the Indians A's.
0: There, there we go. Um, all right, well, Patrick's uh, week predictions for next weekend will be posted as always on our website 4th and24.com on Thursdays. That wraps up our look back at Patrick's weekend predictions. Let's take a look back at the NBA Finals involving the Milwaukee Bucks against the Phoenix Suns, starting with game four from last Wednesday.
1: Patrick, in game four, we have the Milwaukee Bucks winning 109 to 103 at home. The Suns led 82 to 76 going into the fourth quarter in this game. Milwaukee outscored Phoenix 33 to 21 in the fourth quarter uh, to, to win this game, despite Devin Booker's 42 points on 17 of 28 shooting. Crucially, however, Booker picked up his fifth foul with 10 minutes and 50 seconds left in the fourth quarter. The Suns were leading 85 to 79 at the time, in case you're wondering, and had to sit out because of that foul until 5:55 left where the Suns were actually—they still kept a three-point lead. So I was actually—I initially started to talk about this because I was thinking, wait a second, I wonder how much that impacted the game, because obviously they had this lead at the start of the fourth quarter, he leaves really early in the fourth quarter, and then they lose the game. So I thought maybe they took the lead while he was gone, but no, really the Suns maintained the lead for five minutes and only let it go down by three points, although that three points proved to be very significant by the time we got to the end of this game— Uh, But he then proceeded to foul out three different times at the end of the game without the refs calling a single one of the fouls, uh, including one where it was so intentional and so obvious that all three of the announcers all called foul, all said that it was a foul, and then said, that's Devin Booker's sixth, and he's out of the game. Uh, Except for the refs didn't call it, so I guess that's the only thing that really matters. That was, I think, the second time out of the three fouls that he gave. He also had a take foul at the end of the game, where even he went down to sit on the bench immediately after, and then they didn't even charge the foul to him, although that was with eight seconds left, so that didn't really matter. Uh, the rest of the Suns, however, did not do... I, I would say did not do much, to put it to put it uh, nicely, but they didn't do anything to help Devin Booker. Uh, with Jay Crowder leading the way of non-Devin Booker scores, with 15 points, but only on three of ten shootings, so nobody was very efficient either, Uh, CP three was five of 13 with 10 points and seven assists, but also had five turnovers. So seven assists and five turnovers is not a good ratio, especially for him, including a really, really crucial one with the suns down one Oh one to 99 with only 32 seconds left in the game. That was drew holiday who stripped CP three, got the steal, uh, and then with, and then had the fast break run out and with the assist to Middleton to push the lead to one Oh three to 99. Holiday only had 13 points on 4 of 20 shooting in this game, but his defensive impact, especially the steal at the end of the game, cannot, and if the Bucks win the series, will not be forgotten. Middleton, however, finally woke up and brought his play to the series. Uh, he woke up and he wanted to play a real game today. He wanted to be better than Devin Booker and anybody else on the court, including his own teammate Giannis. Uh, he scored 40 points on 15 of 33 shooting, while Giannis had 26, 14, and 8 on 11 of 19 shooting a great performance by those two to get Milwaukee the win, and also I would like to say, does it feel like Giannis is doing a lot more passing and facilitating than he normally does uh, in the regular season? Because that's what it feels like to me, and it honestly kind of reminds me of Kawhi in that in that playoffs run with Toronto, where he was averaging like two assists a game in the season, and then had a triple double in one of the games in the in the Eastern Conference Finals, and then was averaging like seven or eight assists and during the finals. So kind of reminds me of that but i don't know if that reminds you of that because it looks like he's doing a lot more passing and driving and kicking than he normally does
0: yeah i mean you're the expert here but uh definitely doing a lot more of that trying to be maybe more well-rounded player uh keep everybody else involved maybe that's just because of trust trust in the in the crew around you that maybe hasn't been there before um and that i think that trust was well placed i mean
1: well i think he's even doing it more than he did in the regular season this season and same group of guys now
0: okay well I, that that i don't follow as much as you do as you know him. I'm more of a casual NBA fan and focused at this enough. time of the, Fair the playoffs. Enough. I mean, you mentioned Chris Middleton. The, son, the Chris Middleton went on a 10-0 personal run. Um at, at starting with the uh, after after the Bucks were down 99-97, he scores the next 10 points for Milwaukee. Sorry, Devin Booker did hit a shot in there. So a 10-2 personal run with in the final uh, basically two minutes of the game. There, was, there were two points by Drew Holiday at the end of the game and then a meaningless layup by uh, Chris Paul at the end of the game to make the final score, 109-103. But the, the key to this, as you said, was Chris Middleton showing up again like he did in the prior series, just taking over at the end of the game. He made, he made the game-tying shot to make it 99-99 with 207 left, and he proceeded to score uh, the next eight points as Milwaukee pushed the lead to 107-101 and basically close the game out. So, it was Drew Drew Holiday again, his de- defense and maybe a foreshadowing of things to come. A key steal at the end of the game contributed to it, but Middleton was just out of his mind again in the final 2 minutes of a game. Uh, we saw that before in the prior round.
1: Yeah, and I mean that's the reason why they're here in the first place, but at the same time, uh, many many credit, many critics of Middleton and look, I can see I can see it too. Uh he he does this like once every three games and then it feels like he just vanishes in the other games. So Well
0: the good news is if it goes to game seven, that that'll be the every three games will be game seven if he has to do this again. Well,
1: except for as we'll get to game five, he had another good game, so he he, he, he broke his his vanishing thing will be in game six and game seven, which would be a huge problem. But I would like to say so Giannis actually in the series is averaging three and a half assists, but we'll talk about it in game five more. He didn't have like any to begin this series, and his average has really been driven up in the last two games. He does average six assists per game on the season, but look, so eight for him is a big is a big number. Uh, it's it's definitely over the average. Actually, every number except for the points there above his regular season average, although he does average a massive 12 <laughs> 12 point something rebounds per game. So look, Giannis is crazy, we all know it. But let's move on to that game five that we keep foreshadowing. Well, actually,
0: we actually, the funny thing is we're leaving something out about Giannis that was was a key key play in the game. It just shows oh, other yeah. people stepped up. You want to talk about the block shot and you know where it ranks in history, or we can just talk about the shot. Well, we I don't think we need to put it in history. Yet, I, yet. W-
1: I will say let's not put it in history, especially with the series not being over. Uh, the one thing I will say about its place in history is that the Bucks' social media team is getting a little too crazy, saying that it's the best block in Finals history because we all know it's not. There's been better ones last five years, even if you think about LeBron's chase down block. I mean, everybody, everybody associates that Cavs run with that exact block. And, uh, you know what, if the Bucks win the series, then maybe they will associate that block with it. But I actually think the Drew Holiday steal will be the most, will be the most important thing because after all, it came 20 seconds later. And I feel like that's the reason why we're not talking about that Giannis block because the other play happened 20 seconds later with it being a two-point game, and that was really Phoenix's chance. A lot of people thought, look, Phoenix is going to get the ball. They're going to score here. It's going to be a tie game, and we're going to go into overtime. And instead, Chris Paul turnover, drew, drew Holiday steal, Middleton layup, game over pretty much.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're right. The block uh, the block occurred um, right after Middleton uh, hit the first two of his baskets to go on that little mini personal run. So Milwaukee was up 101-99, and it looked like uh, DeAndre Ayton was going to score on a, a lob on a dunk, and Giannis came off of his, his who he was defending. I'm not sure it was the dunk. Kind of went over his head, turned around and leapt and met Ayton after he caught the ball and blocked what would have been a only a game tying dunk. And so you're right because on the next possession, let's let's say every again, you never know what impacts what. But let's say Milwaukee went down and did what they were going to did did what did they, what they did were going to do anyway, right. and then and then the steal happens and everything else. It maybe makes it a little closer down the stretch, but. It just shows you how impressive Holiday's defense was and Middleton's scoring was that we almost forgot to talk about that block.
1: And the other thing is, if you, you said put it in history, as you said, it actually really reminded me of Bam Bios block last year in the bubble, but it felt the same where I was like, if they win this game, it means a lot more. If they win the series, it'll be remembered, but if not, it's just going to be one of those things that I think Heat fans remember Bam Adebayo's block and a lot of NBA fans remember it, but... If you go to random, if you go to casual fans, I mean, when I mentioned it to you, you had no idea what I was talking about earlier this week when I mentioned it, but look, I don't blame you for it because in the end they lost in the finals. So it, it, none of these things end up mattering unless you get, unless you get that ultimate goal of winning the title and then, then it becomes synonymous with the title run. And that's when it starts to gain its, gain its legacy. And I think that these, I think that the other thing is, and we'll get to game five in a second, uh, but I think that these two plays plus the one that we're gonna to get to in game five, when you think of the Bucks run, the run won't have any offensive highlights except for Giannis's except for maybe a few Giannis dunks along the way and some of Middleton's threes against Atlanta. It will be all defensive plays from game four and on in the finals, especially if the games continue to be this close, because that's probably how the Bucks are going to win the series, if they do.
0: Well, so you you did say you mentioned the highlight film It's fine That you said that I, I was about to say, yeah, it's, it's going to definitely will appear in their one shining moment. If they did a one shining moment video like the montage they do for the NCAA tournament, if Milwaukee does a one shining moment for their for their playoff run, it will definitely be in there. It won't be the last shot. Um, one other thing about his uh, about Giannis maybe not being as involved, a Middleton being hot, but b Maybe he's conscious of the fact that he shouldn't have the ball in his hands at the end of the game because of his free throw shooting. Yeah, um, they Milwaukee did make four four free throws in that final stretch, and not coincidentally, he didn't have the ball right at the end of the game.
1: Uh, and I would also say if we're gonna if we're gonna talk about short highlight reels when they're gonna put it up, if it's five plays, probably at least three of the five will be on defense, and that might be one of them, but. We'll have to see what happens in Game Six and Game Seven because there might be. An, he might look. Giannis is a defensive player of the year. He might make an even better block in the future. Uh, so, we, and it might mean a lot more, especially if it's in the game that they seal the finals in. So, yep.
0: so let's let's move on to talk about Game Five because there might not be a Game Seven. Uh, Patrick, tell us about Game Five.
1: In Game Five, the Bucks won the first time a road a road team has actually won a game in the series. Uh, they won one twenty three to one nineteen. The Suns had a 16-point lead in the first quarter. Then it seemed like Milwaukee had put it away, leading 108-94 to 94 with 9.08 left in the fourth quarter. The Suns quickly closed in on the Bucks, bringing the game to 120-119. to 119. Yes, a one-point game with 56 seconds left in the game. But then, with 16.7 seconds left, Devin Booker had the ball in the lane. Uh, he turned around really quickly, and as he was about to make his move, Drew Holiday, again, Mr. Clutch came up with the strip the second time he's stripped uh, a Phoenix backcourt member in in the final minute of a game where the game was less than two points differential. Uh, he comes up with a strip, and again, he gets the run out, and an alley-oop to Giannis pushes the lead to 122-119. to 119. Giannis misses a free throw for the and one, but guess who does? But guess who does something again? Drew Holiday tips the rebound to Giannis. Giannis tips the rebound back, Middleton gets it and makes one free throw, because that's all they needed, to push the lead to 123-19. Uh Phoenix throws up a prayer three, but it doesn't matter, it misses anyway. To seal it, and that seals the game for the Milwaukee for Milwaukee, 123-119. So Drew Holiday with the game sealing steal, that's tongue twister, in two games in a row, to put Milwaukee in the lead in the series 3-2, but it wasn't just his defense this game for really what feels like the first time in a while. Holiday scored 27 points on 12 of 20 shooting. He was on fire at the beginning of this game. Uh, And then Giannis had 32, 9, and 6 on 14 of 23 shooting, which for him feels like pedestrian numbers. But look, he's on his way to winning the finals MVP. Let's be quite honest here. Uh, And Chris Middleton scored 29 on 12 of of 23 shooting. 12 of 13 shooting would be pretty ridiculous, but no, 12 of 23. Uh, Devin Booker had 40 points again on 17 of 33 shooting. So five more shots than it took him last time to get to 40. Uh, but still really efficient. Chris Paul had 21 uh, 21 points on 11 assists with only one turnover, so much cleaner than the game before and much better overall. Uh, and DeAndre Ayton had 20 points and 10 rebounds, but the 81 points from those three were not enough to overcome the 88 for Middleton, Giannis, and Holiday, and that is how Milwaukee ends up taking this lead 3-2 and going back home for a game six.
0: Yeah, well, people are going to remember the steal. Like you talked about, people are going to remember the alley-oop. Oh, and
1: by the way, I will say, this one they can combine into one highlight because it was all in one play. So Giannis's dunk won't be separate from the steal. It'll be in the same reel. <laughs>
0: Giannis is very, very fortunate that that steal happened because what people would be remembering is him missing five consecutive free throws that allowed Phoenix to get back into the game. Um, Milwaukee had a lead of about seven points um, early. Maybe starting this. his free throw missing started at about the four or five minute mark, but then he also missed some key free throws late in the game. But it, it, that it has, As
1: I said, the end won, but then in the end he gets the rebound, so kind of drowns it yeah, out. Yeah,
0: yes, that's true. But he missed two free throws with one minute left with, with Phoenix clinging to a— uh, sorry, Milwaukee clinging to a three-point lead. But they had scored 120 points at that point, which we know sort of has been the magic number for winning games. Um, I, th- Chris, I, I think Drew Holiday looked like, and I think he said in his post-game interview, that he was thought about drive, uh, dribbling out the clock. Because I know yep. when I was watching the game, I'm like, don't give it to Giannis. And then I thought he threw the ball. I thought he threw the pass away, um, but yeah, he, it's Giannis. He, He'll catch he, anything that's well. Near
1: the he, glass. As as you said, Drew Holiday did say he was thinking about dribbling the ball out, and then he saw Giannis on the run out, and he said, "I could just throw an alley oop." And I know that Chris Paul's not going to jump up and block it if I get it high enough, and I know that if I get it high enough, Giannis is going to come in and flush it down. And by the way. He was really close to hitting his head on the backboard, and if Chris Paul had, and if if he did hit his head on the backboard, Chris Paul was probably going to get a flagrant, maybe a flagrant two there, because he also did, well, he got charged with a foul for shoving him in the first place, so... If he misses that dunk and Giannis hits his head, I guarantee you that turns into a flagrant. And if it didn't, then there would be a different controversy <laughs> that we'd be talking about another controversy of fouls in this finals. But yeah, in the end, you get Giannis with this legendary highlight play that, look, as we get closer to the end of the series, because I mean, we only got two games left at the most, this this looks like everything feels like it's going Milwaukee's way. I I don't, I, I'm not counting the Suns out, but it looks like my prediction might end up being right and probably maybe even closing this out earlier because I don't see this series going four home teams winning and then three road teams winning. I don't see it. Well,
0: you're true. And unfortunately, uh, well, ironic. I agree with you. Ironically, um, the pressure's on Milwaukee because they don't want to go to a game seven. So we'll see how they handle they, the Yeah, they don't want to go to a game seven. They don't. Um, Giannis, I know, worked on his shooting in some previous offseasons, uh, including his three point shooting. He should focus a little bit on something that's a much easier shot and much closer. He was 4 of 11 from the free throw line in Game 5, and had they lost that game, that would have been the story.
1: Well, but the one thing that you are missing is that his free throw shooting in the finals heading into that game was incredibly improved from both his regular season and his before this in the playoffs shooting. And also, look, he struggles a lot on the road, and uh, I think Brooklyn will forever be... Very, very satisfied that they that they had a fan base who actually came up with something clever for once. Instead of just chanting Brooklyn over and over again, they came up with the counting thing. I honestly think it worked, and now that you have fan bases that... Honestly, probably Phoenix probably has louder fans, and just the way that arena is, it just feels like it's louder than Brooklyn's was, uh, than the Barclays Center is. They, they do the counting exactly how they're supposed to, and it is probably better... Feels like they do it faster. They had the guy counting a hundred dollar bills on the count of it yesterday. I was counting at home, talking uh, t- because frankly, I don't have a thing against the ten seconds. I have a thing against the fifteen seconds he takes before he even gets the ball. And by the way, it's a lot. It's a lot what people have been talking about. How do you take that long to take a free throw and your routine doesn't work? I mean, LeBron was shooting seventy <laughs> percent from the free throw line, which was a career low for him. Last year, when they were in the fight, when they when the Lakers eventually won the finals, he changed his routine three different times during the season. Once he made it quicker, then he made it slower again, then he changed the dribbling routine. He did a lot to change it. He changed the release point a few times, he changed where he was standing. I mean, we've seen Dwight Howard try to bank in free throws intentionally. Giannis has to do something. I, it feels like he hasn't changed it, and anything that he has changed is made it longer. and, And as long as, and every single time his routine gets longer, it feels like there's more pressure because. You just hear more and more and more and more and more fan noise, which I feel like is really a detriment to the free throw shooting. Yeah, and
0: you would think that it, that it, the longer again, and I'm not a sports psychologist, but you'd think that if you have difficulty with something, the, a routine that doesn't take as long is better. Is better because maybe well, that's every, what everybody has said that maybe he should just be more of a feel for what you did or didn't do before, and also you're not thinking about it. Yeah. maybe he's clearing. He said it's annoying. It's annoying to watch somebody take so long to do something so poorly. I,
1: I do agree with that. I mean, if, if Steph Curry had the long— If Steph Curry—I mean, think about it. Steph Curry has, like, the quickest release point and fastest release of all time, and he's also the best three-point shooter of all time. So it makes a lot of sense that, that— I mean, look, that works for him when he's shooting real quickly. Giannis shouldn't be the worst while also taking the longest—
0: yeah, uh, it, it's annoying and something that he'll work on, but...
1: But, again, he has been improved in this series alone, although I think the 4 of 11 probably puts puts a slight taint on that number and probably brings it back down to what he's been in the rest of the playoffs. Uh, but maybe he has one good one on in Game 6 at home when he doesn't have fans screaming at him the whole time, and maybe that's the reason why they end up winning the NBA Finals, but we'll just have to speculate on that. you want to speculate although, make I think, a prediction? Yeah, I think we should, Um I'm saying I'm saying Milwaukee's going to win Game Six. I think they win the finals in six games.
0: Well, I don't want to be uh, I want to make this interesting and have some controversy. So um, I think that's going to happen, but I'm not going to predict it. I will stick with my original prediction. If Giannis plays, the Suns win in seven. So
1: gonna... I I also I also will say I did originally say that that the Bucks would win in seven, and after they went down 2-0, I was very very skeptical, and even when it was two one, I was still skeptical. But look. I have confidence that I picked the right team now. Um I think and and also look, the the game where you have Holiday, Middleton and Giannis all there together, I don't think the Suns could have done anything to stop it. This is the reason why we thought that the Suns had the better team to begin with to begin the series because the Bucks haven't gotten these 3 to do to score a lot all on the same night in a very very long time, but when they're doing this, I th- Milwaukee is the best team in the NBA if they're going to if they're going to have all three guys contributing like this. I don't think there is a better team, uh, and that's what they're doing right now. And look, they they do that on the road. There is no. I feel like there's no way they don't duplicate it at home.
0: Well, and I am also being selfish because I want the season to last as long as possible. I love Game Seven. Oh, me too. And you know, Game Six Tuesday night. If there's a Game Seven, it'll be Thursday night, which would be perfect timing to wrap up the NBA season, and then the next day. Have the start of the Olympics. So, uh, with that in mind, a little transition there, let's turn our attention. That's
1: just, you know what, as we're about to talk about the Olympics, if this series goes seven, how do the three players from the Suns and the Bucks get to Tokyo in a day?
0: Private jet.
1: How long is the flight to Tokyo from Milwaukee? Or from Phoenix.
0: Or from Phoenix? I don't know. 19 hours? 17 hours? Something? They'll get there. So it's a 19-hour flight,
1: and the Olympics open the same day? the opening ceremony. They're
0: not even opening games. Okay, that's true. They don't play their games for a while. Yeah, that is true. So with that being said, uh, that wraps up our look back at the NBA. Now let's turn our attention to random, assorted, important, and mainly Olympic news.
1: Patrick? In the Olympics, uh, we have... The first, co- the first confirmed positives from athletes in the Olympic Village, positive uh, COVID tests. Yes, positive co- COVID tests. Two South African soccer players uh, at the Olympic Village in Tokyo have tested positive for COVID nineteen. Coco Goff has now withdrawn due to testing positive for COVID nineteen. Although I don't think she ever made it to, to-, to Tokyo, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Nick Kyrgios and Liz Cambage, both Australian, have withdrawn too. Although that is not due to testing positive for COVID. And on that topic, about ten thousand Olympic volunteers have also quit, uh, just due to the due to the. You're looking at me with a face that's how kind of many distracting. are left? You know, if you actually look at how many different events and where all the Olympics are, I'll finish my thought in a second. But if you look at how many different events there are, if, and you think of some of them, you need a lot of volunteers to make sure that the but event is runs that like smoothly. Half the volunteers, I, do, I don't even think it's half. I okay, think normally sorry for, they're about. Sorry for my I think normally. Face. I mean, think about it. If there, think about how many people fit in Dodger Stadium. That's that's probably the amount of Olympic 50, volunteers they have. Two
0: thousand. Right, sorry, yeah, exactly. My, my crazy face interrupting your train of
1: thought. So, <laughs> Ten thousand Olympic
0: volunteers have also quit. Uh,
1: and look, it just goes to show you. Uh, we're we're going to talk about this a little more uh, once we go through some of the some of the other noise, uh, some of the other news. But this this Olympics just already feels off, uh, and there to- there are a lot of people in Japan who don't want it to go on. And I remember saying five weeks ago, actually, or five or six weeks ago to you, that you said, oh, what's going on with the Olympics? And I was like, I don't even know if it's going to be played because there were a lot of people protesting it. Uh, Japan is having some issues with COVID, uh, as a lot of countries are, actually, but they, a lot of the fans don't like it. They aren't having spectators, I'm pretty sure, in most of the arenas, if I'm not mistaken, and maybe just maybe it's just not the indoor ones. So it's very interesting that it's still going on, and I think that's probably the reason most of the volunteers have quit, uh, but... Yeah, it does take a lot of Olympic volunteers to put on an event because think of, like, the event security at any at any big event. Like, there's, there's always a lot of them. And the other problem is they have to be there for, what, 20, 30 straight days of events. All the events are in different places. There are 20 events going on at the same time. And it's not like every single volunteer is working every day. Otherwise, they'd have to pay them. And, you know, the Olympics don't want to do that. Um, but moving on in more Olympic news, I forgot to write this on the last podcast because I did see it earlier in the week. Uh, It actually did happen way earlier this week, I think about five or six days ago. But there was someone who brought a water gun to and attempted to put out the Olympic torch by spraying it with water in protest of the games being played. Yes, this is a real story. No, it's not fake. There's video of it. Uh, The person was arrested. And look, as I was saying before, how most of the people in Japan don't want the games to be played, this is just another show of it because... This is a really. If you think of the symbolism of the Olympic torch, this is a really big demonstration for this. What, what
0: kind of a squirt gun was it? Was it at least a super soaker with like pumping the trigger, trying to squirt? No,
1: it, it was like anything that you would find at like your friend's house that that a they would have for like a, a super pool. soaker. Yes, or... correct.
0: Okay, at least it was that. Okay, yeah, yeah it, I mean, it wasn't.
1: No, it wasn't anything even like like mechanical or something. Probably something that like Nerf would make. Literally, yeah, one a of super those soaker. things. Okay. Yeah, uh, although it wasn't quite a super soaker, it was a little smaller than that. Otherwise, it would have been pretty obvious that what, what I, you. I what the charges do.
0: were vandalism. I, I, mis- uh, who knows?
1: I mean, I think technically, I don't even know. Peace. It could be something. I mean, technically, the Olympic torch could be a government property. There's probably Just a lot of things, and property. there's probably a lot of things in the law that they have about that. Because I guarantee you that the fir- the very first thing someone thought of is if we're going to run a torch across the world. Uh, in, in, as a symbolism thing, and it's supposed to not go out, then how are we gonna get people to stop it from not trying to put it out? Because this is the way the world is. There are a lot of people who wanna do this. Uh, this time, probably actually for a real reason, as opposed to other times just being people being stupid. Or wanting attention, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, yeah, it is a thing, and um, I, I forget what city exactly this was in, and probably if, even if I knew the city, I probably couldn't pronounce it right, <laughs> so I'm just not even gonna try. Uh, but, yeah, I, I I found this kind of funny originally, and then I realized, like, they, they Japan really, the people of Japan are really against the games. And by the way, they pushed it back a year, and Japan actually, I don't think, is doing any better now than they were back then with COVID, which is strange. But yeah, moving on to more Olympic, Olympic news, Novak Djokovic had said that he was 50-50 about playing in the Olympics after his victory at Wimbledon, but he is now fully committed to playing in Tokyo, however... Roger Federer will not be playing in the games due to a setback in his knee injury recovery, although he did play in Wimbledon, so it, it seemed like he was okay with that injury, but then I, obviously this is a setback where he feels like it's too hurt to play on. Uh, Olympic gold is the one thing that Roger Federer does not actually have on his singles resume, which just goes to show you, look, it's really hard to win a, a, a win an Olympic gold medal uh, in any sport. I think Djokovic actually does have one, but Federer has not ever won one. Uh, and that is pretty interesting. Also, we talked about Coco Goff and Nick Kyrgios, who have withdrawn, but those are for different reasons. Uh, and then the last thing, I don't want to be negative, but it seems like the Olympics in general are just heading in the wrong direction, and it does not seem like the games will be in their normal form, especially with the lack of fans there. I, don't, I forget if it was exactly 0% capacity at every game, but I'm pretty sure they had it limited to 50%, and that was the best it was ever going to be. That was the cap that they had set. Uh, and it just feels like there's going to be a lack of star power the Olympic basketball team doesn't have LeBron. It doesn't have Kevin Durant. Uh, the last, I think, I don't think it has any of the last. I don't think it has a single NBA MVP on it. I don't. I don't think there's a single MVP on it. I can't think of one unless you can. Well, maybe the basketball um,
0: will be more interesting because it'll be more more competitive.
1: Well, it might be more competitive, but I'm just thinking also because a few of the MVPs are from different countries. If you think about Jokic and you think about Giannis, but uh, look, LeBron's not there. Uh, there's not. There's no Carmelo even as a vet presence. Kind of a deal. Uh, there a lot of the greats that are normally there just they are not playing this year, so it'll be interesting. Um, although I will say, new events like baseball, and also I really like this three on three basketball concept. I like this because I like that. Uh, I like the big three league. If you remember watching that ever with some yep. former retired players, I could if I can watch forty five year old former NBA players play three on three basketball, I can watch people that are selected for an Olympic team to do this, for well, sure.
0: I agree with you that baseball, coming back to the Olympics, it's a returning event. It right. was there. It stopped. It's, right. It, it, it makes sense. I mean, if they and can And softball, have, too. If they can have rhythmic gymnastics and, I don't know, some of the winter Olympic sports seem like... You know, people might think, oh, baseball's only a regional sport. It's played... Mainly in North America, Latin America, eight. But watch but the
1: Little League World Series. I mean, exactly. there are, okay, I will admit, there are some regions that I remember because I, I looked this up recently thinking maybe if it's coming back this year, what's going on with it. There are some regions, especially Europe, that don't have many teams that have ever won really any games at the Little League World Series, but Korea's got a lot of talent. Japan's got a lot of talent. Uh, they also have big leagues there, too. There are enough te- there are enough teams that, that can make this competitive. And by the way, the other thing is, you can't have MLB players in it because it's in the middle of the season other than some minor leaguers that aren't coming up. And by the way, there was a guy in the initial roster, who Luke Williams, who ended up getting called up from the Phillies and had to leave, and he was the U.S.'s best player. So it will be competitive, and it's not like they are competing with the U.S.'s best. They're competing with the U.S.'s really B team.
0: Yeah, and, and what I was going to say is, Look, especially in the Winter Olympics, you have sport, sports like biathlon, which is basically people cross-country skiing with guns on their back, shooting at targets. If you want to, talk there's about some a, strange
1: sports. Yeah, you want there's to talk some about a regional
0: ones. sport like that doesn't have great worldwide following. If they can have biathlon, they can have baseball. So I I'm glad baseball that. is back, and I hope softball. You know, I'm a big women's softball fan. So I hope that it gets more exposure to women's softball. People see how exciting the game really is.
1: And softball will actually have better players in it than baseball because I don't think there's an actual season going on that's going to be interrupting that. So that's a a much bigger deal. Um, But moving on from that, we have a little bit of a break from the Olympics before we talk a little bit more about the Olympics. Colin Morikawa wins—Morikawa, I should say— Wins the Open, uh, of course. Every name just needs to be the the word "the" and then just whatever you want to call it. And the Brits don't like it
0: if you call it the British Open, so right, of don't course, you have to it, call, it call it the Open. Open.
1: Yes, you have to call it the not Open, not the British Open, of course. Um, but yeah, Colin Morikawa wins. That is his second win in uh, in debuts in majors, which is pretty crazy. I don't know exactly how. The, uh, I know it's not like a major league call-up kind of a thing when it, happens, when it has to do with the PGA. I don't really know exactly how that works, but it is pretty crazy to see someone do that. And I know that there was some related figure of being under 25, winning two majors, first one since Tiger. I know that. Uh, so, again, congrats to Colin. Great win.
0: Well, and also he came, uh, he missed a birdie putt on 18 that would have tied, the low, tied him for the lowest 72-hole score in a major championship. Not lowest to par. But lowest seventy-two hole score
1: so, overall overall strokes. Yeah, scoring, I think yeah. I think
0: par was a par was a seventy on this course. So Tiger's had lowered lowered a par at the Masters, but he would his six he would have been sixteen under, which would have given him the lowest seventy-two hole score in a major. So quite impressive from Colin.
1: And now back to the Olympics, uh, this time with probably the more the more important teams, USA basketball and USA women's basketball have lost two exhibitions in the lead up to the Olympics. And the USA women's basketball team also lost to the WNBA All-Star team. So there are a lot... Which, by the way, that's a great idea for an All-Star event. Um, but they, they they have some concerns going into the Olympics, although I will say both of them lost their two games early and ended with wins, uh, really in dominant fashion for both of them. But look, the U.S. has got some problems. They're also trying to re... They're trying to integrate Keldon Johnson and JaVale McGee into the roster because they haven't been there. And as I talked about... Uh, Middleton and Drew Holiday and also Devin Booker, they're not even in Tokyo yet. They're not even with the team. They weren't even with the team in Vegas when they were playing their exhibition. So they have some issues to figure out. Uh, Meanwhile, there is Luka Doncic who's waiting there saying, I will beat Team USA just like I could have beaten the Clippers pretty much all on my own. So look, there are a lot of teams that have uh, one or two NBA players and it just seems like they're all spread out. I think the biggest disappointment though, let's, let's stop with the U.S., how did Canada not make the Olympics? Like, I, I don't understand how you have five NBA players, even though Jamal Murray's hurt, whatever, Shagels, Alexander, I don't care. You have five NBA players and you can't make the Olympics? That's just crazy. Um, they need Shows how bad the
0: remainder of the squad is, maybe.
1: Well, but they have five NBA players. They, oh. they shouldn't lose to any country unless they're losing to the U.S. in qualifiers, which bench, bench they weren't. Players, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so... Look, the USA, definitely disappointing, but not as disappointing. And look, it's exhibition games. They can still figure it out. And we have Greg Popovich as the coach. There was no there's no other pla- person on this entire planet that I think you could trust less or trust any more to put a squad that's losing a little bit and put it in the right direction.
0: Yeah, they've got some. They got to integrate some new players and some players will be coming late. But I, I- And
1: then I will say, I think Devin Booker can really, I, I think Devin Booker and Drew Holiday can really bring much-needed ball handling to this team. Uh, although And defensive. Yeah, Although, well, especially with Drew Holiday. Although Middleton's shooting is probably just as good as anybody else on this team because this team is literally just a bunch of long, long, lanky shooters at this point. Uh, and JaVale McGee.
0: All right, any other random, assorted, important news? Fantastic. Well, that wraps, wraps this edition of the 4th and 24 podcast. Please be sure to check out our next podcast, which will be on Friday, July 23rd, where we will have our look back at Major League Baseball and probably talk a little NBA finals, maybe look at the Olympics. We'll see what we decide to do, but we'll definitely have our weekly look back at Major League Baseball. In the meantime, be sure to check out Patrick's additional content, including his picks for next weekend's games and his MLB Power Rankings updates, which are posted on Saturdays on our website, 4thand24.com. That's the number four, T-H-A-N-D, the number 24.com. Thank you for listening.